Writer's Advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration, and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. Welcome back to the Writer's Advice Podcast, everyone. I am very excited because today on the podcast, we have Brock Swinston, who is joining us. Now, you have so much to share with us about writing in general, but not just like from book writing, literally all different forms of storytelling. You have the Creative Principles Podcast, um, where you say creativity meets productivity, which is one of the things I absolutely, absolutely love that you say about that as well. Um, you have the creative screenwriting blog and you have interviewed so many different incredible people from storytelling of all kinds. Um, and now your book, Ink by the Barrel, which is all about writing. So I'm so excited to dive into it all. But um, yeah, firstly, thanks for joining us, Brock. Absolutely. Thanks. I appreciate your time today. Now, how did this all start for you? Like, where did the passion of writing come in and wanting to learn more about it? Where, where did all these all these wonderful things that you've created start? Yeah, I mean, to go way back, there's kind of a combination of things. My family's very obsessed with movies. We talk in movie quotes as opposed to normal stories. We're always quoting movies and talking that way. And And I won some little writing contests when I was a kid. I didn't really care about other things, but writing kind of to some degree came natural and it is a a natural way to kind of get better at it. But, you know, I went to school for writing screenplays and then I lived in LA for a bit. I worked on some commercials and TV shows, more like on set than writing, but I, I kind of bounced around for a bit. And then I got a job at creative screenwriting. So I got to, that was through Craigslist, which is like kind of crazy, like that it was like a lot of my journey it was like something odd that just interested me like led to something much better so I'd been in LA for a few weeks I think at the time I had a couple jobs that someone got me doing commercials and then the next thing I know I'm like driving down to meet this guy that had just written a new Denzel Washington movie Denzel Washington's pictures on every billboard and I'm going to sit down with him and we're just having like an hour-long conversation and I almost learned more from him than I learned in college and it just kind of went from there yeah yeah absolutely was that just kind of like a light bulb moment for you and you're like oh my gosh these conversations are amazing and there's so much more I want to like dive into and and go from there essentially yeah I think like I was coming at it from a very structural point of view about writing screenplays and um, I think I would just like write down little anecdotes like like, oh it would be cool if my protagonist did xyz and one thing this guy told me his name was Blake Masters he said well actually your character is just one thing, and then all those other choices come from that one thing, right? So the movie he wrote was called, called Two Guns. Denzel Washington will do whatever it takes. Mark Wahlberg's character has a moral code, and that creates all the comedy, all the action, all the, uh, you know, so really it's just this one little thing dictates everything else about the character. Yeah, 100%. And I, it's really interesting how you said that you're coming from a structural point that you, you know, it kind of flipped you the way that you looked at things on its head when you had that conversation. Do you think that the way that we study writing in school is kind of more pushing us towards that, that structural point and focusing on the, like, this is the plot, this is where it needs to go rather than kind of being like, okay, 
who are these people and and that kind of thing is that kind of where it changed for you after that conversation I think it's like it's really just the simplest way to teach writing is to teach people to start with an outline because it is really hard to go from there and it's also eventually I've, I've listened to a few of your episodes eventually you have to market your fiction work and you have to talk about oh it's like this meets this you have to make it really generic even though you know deep down maybe your soul is in this work and it's hard to explain your soul you know so I've talked to a lot of writers I've interviewed like 400 screenwriters about plot and theme are very different like the movies I write I'm still just trying to break in I am working on my first film now but all of them are there's some aspect of fathers and sons and a lot of like men issues like that that just naturally come up but the plots are different but I'm always writing about kind of the same ideas I saw your I think on your uh, the books you write you write about rebel girls trying to change the world so you know what you're about right you very mm -hmm. much know what it is and then within that although it feels it might feel constricted from the outside but like you have hundreds of pages to make all these different worlds even though you're kind of writing what might be the same thing but it can be very different as well yeah, 100%. I absolutely love that. And oh my gosh, you have like the best job. I, I absolutely love running, writing this, like, sorry, writing this podcast. <laughs> I actually love running this podcast. But <laughs> now you have interviewed, like, like you said, 400 different screenwriters. Firstly, I have so many questions. I want to dive into this before I want to get um, more into your book. But so firstly, who is, who is, the person that you have learned the most from or what was the best interview or what where were those moments like how you just said with Denzel Washington's writer that you're like oh this is like changed the game for me in my writing or I need to pass this advice on to other people I think it's different and it's probably more simple it's probably just I need to hear some simple lessons seven times and get hit <laughs> over the head with it to really understand oh I just need to like no matter what like I'm working with a mentor now and he's like simplify like stop doing five projects at once do three because he's like three is kind of my area and I write about that in my book as well as like I need some juxtaposition that helps you not just feel writer's block you can kind of go back and forth so I'm like I'm working on a documentary now I've got some clients I'm working with I'm kind of just starting to itch at like a second book I'm doing a few little things there but I really need that variety but if I go too far I'm not getting anywhere it's like you can go too many steps so that's kind of one thing there but yeah, but the book, the the book's called Ink by the Barrel. The idea is to be prolific. The subtitle is Secrets from Prolific Writers. Um, like so it's like defend your time, find your voice, create your process. That's how I divided up the book. The first five chapters are all about defending your time. That's probably the biggest thing. There was a the writer who wrote Michael Landon wrote a show called Looking on HBO. And I've heard this a dozen different ways, but he, he was one of the first ones to say that. You know, for years, I just didn't really get the work done because I didn't defend the time to write. So I recently did a uh, prolific writing challenge. I had a thousand people sign up for free. And the goal is just to like write 30 days in a row. That was it. You can write anything. I had open to, you know, poets, screenwriters, fiction, whatever you want to write. It doesn't matter. But you're just creating the environment and the time and that just that simple discipline to, to do it every day. And then I worked with a handful of people one on one to kind of get their experience and there's people in there who had written books before, but they wanted to write a screenplay. Or there's people who have never finished anything. And they kind of like, they finished their first whatever it was because of the challenge, just because like the accountability and these different things that you kind of have to have in place to just do the work. Yeah. I, and I absolutely love how you put that 
defend your time. It's not like, yeah. oh, make time. It's like, no, that's yours. Take it back. <laughs> if this is what you want to do, make make the absolute yeah. most of it. And I want to dive a little bit more into that. So you had a thousand people. How did this exactly work? Were you guys okay? This is how it started. Like, say that there's um some writers at home being like, oh, you know, how, you know, the busy life and everything that comes in. Like, how did people make that happen? Like, and how I love that you put that together as a group for that extra accountability as well. I think that is absolutely amazing and, you know, something that we all need in a, a lot of parts of our lives. But, yeah, how specifically did this group work? How did you make it happen? Give us all the nitty-gritty. <laughs> yeah, the logistics behind it were real simple. I didn't want to, like, and I'm kind of, to some degree, coming as from a, quote, nobody. Like, people don't know who I am. So I use what I like to call borrowed authority. I use my interviews that I had done. So every day you'd get, like, a two to five, maybe a little bit longer clip from me and I broke it up to where each day I was talking about like half a chapter from my book right so I'm talking about some lesson from the book then I show a clip of like Joseph Gordon-Levitt or Jim Gaffigan or uh, Judd Apatow giving me some piece of advice that I use in the in the interview that we did together but really I'm just like pushing people every day like all right watch this for 10 minutes but then like you have to sit there and write and just sit there for like two to ten minutes pick your time do it every day when I was younger, I used to write at night. Now we have a small baby now, so I write more in the mornings. It's just a little bit easier. And if I don't get up, and defending your time doesn't mean you have to be, you know, evil to those around you. And for me, it just means like getting up a little bit earlier. I've got to block out a couple hours to guarantee I get something done. Um, otherwise, it's just like the day kind of slips away from you. So that's really what it means to me is like to defend your time. And then I would just encourage people just to like, you know, Neil Gaiman has a quote that you can sit at your desk, you can write or you can do nothing. And that's the only option. You can't be on your phone, can't be on the internet, this and that. Um, so I, I kind of just pushed that. I think I probably said it four times in, in the course of 30 days, just like to keep reminding people, like, it's not supposed to be crazy hard. And even if like the writing is bad, you should still be just like doing it, just doing some version of it. And then maybe a look at deeper idea to separate in your mind the writer from the editor. Whenever you're trying to edit as you write, you're not going to get anywhere. So really, like to me, prolific is just a free association of writing whatever you're thinking about without, you know, your inner critic and the external forces of the world and everything else and just trying to get something on the page. Yeah, absolutely. It's that free flow and just letting it go. I love how you said separate the writer from the editor as well. And I think that's another thing that can like stop a lot of people of like, you know, that inner critic come back in as well. So the first part of the book is defend your time. And what was part two? Sorry. Uh, find your voice. And then the yeah. third part is like develop your process. And it's kind of, I'm kind of talking to a few different people. Like I see it as one person because I'm really, I wrote the book for me 10 years ago and I just couldn't like manage to write a couple of days in a row or, or whatever it was. Um, so you really just kind of have to like do those things to figure this out. And then it's going to change over time. So in, in terms of the two people, it's like some people have never finished anything. Some people want to write for a lifetime, but the book is really meant for like all of that together. Like writing is something you can do up until you're a hundred years old or more, you know, you can do it your entire life as long as your, your mind's there and your hands are there, you know, it's a pretty basic thing compared to some other, you know, hobbies or crafts and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I love this because you've literally put into a book everything that this podcast is about, which is writer's advice on how to move forward with everything that you want to do. So where can everyone find Ink by the Barrel? And it is for everyone, right? So it's like a book that people can pick up, you know, if whether they're starting their writing or say they're, you know, 
experience quote unquote like a writer's block or just wanting to dive back into something learn something new and, and get re-inspired so where can everyone find the book i'm actually giving it away right now my goal oh. for this year is to like, <laughs> i want to like give away a hundred thousand copies that's my big goal so like the those thousand people that signed up they all got a copy for free so if you go to brockswinson.com it's just my first and last name you'll get it's the digital download and the audiobook so I kind of want to give people both. And uh, so I, I took there and took the time to record the audio book so you can go and listen to it and get the ideas. But then if you're like, oh, what was that thing you said about Jerry Seinfeld? You can go use like search on your PDF and go get that exact pa passage and hopefully kind of use it like a resource, like over and over again as you feel stuck or whatever it is. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. I'll make sure that I put all those in the show notes so that everyone can, well, hopefully they get on there quick so that it doesn't, <laughs> so they get they can get the free version. So that is absolutely amazing. Now, um, I want to know, I want to know a couple of things. So firstly, everyone needs to go and grab that book to really dive into all of it. But what was the, what's the best advice that you've been given um, that you may have also put into this book when it comes to writing or just screenwriting in general? The weird thing is that it's probably going to be more for the person. The best advice probably is to separate the writer from the editor. But yeah. like when I was writing this book and when I do interviews with people, I'm I'm kind of thinking like some of this might be hypocritical of some other advice. And there might even be points in the book where this works for this person, but not this other person. And you have to be open to that. And the same is true for yourself. You may, like, I like to ask a lot of people, like, what are the false beliefs you had earlier in your career? So like you go and you break into the business and you're sure, you're hundred percent sure about this. Then you write a few and do a few jobs. You're like, oh, wait, I was totally wrong about that. So I think it's more about um, maybe part of that just means like not to be so rigid, to know where you're going, but being flexible in your approach to getting there. I think that's something I've kind of learned you know, from all these interviews, that's kind of an idea that that happens. And, it, and it's always hard, but you just kind of have to keep working towards these little goals of yours and getting better. And I always like to ask people if they go back and read something five or 10 years ago, can they see a difference too? There's there's just so many intangibles about writing. That's why I love it so much is that you can keep growing and it, when it feels like you don't just kind of keep moving forward, love the plateaus where you don't see growth and just kind of keep going like imperfect action in the direction you think is right. And it'll kind of get better as you go. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th I think, honestly, I think that that is the best advice of all is that there is no one way to do anything. There is no set structure of this is how you go there. And you're so right. That is one of the best things about writing. And I love that question that you ask because one of my favorite things is to know, you know, once people have reached a certain amount of success, it's like, okay, so, but where's that first one? You know, that first one that you tried that's like you don't want anyone to absolutely yeah. see to show how much you have grown over the 10 years. So I absolutely love that. Now, everyone needs to go and get Ink by the Barrel, but tell me, what's what's next for you? You're writing a movie? What's what's going on? There's a documentary. Tell me all, everything that you're working on. Yeah, I'm always working a couple movies. I have kind of, I wrote the first two myself. I've kind of started working with a partner now. We're writing more like horror specs, stuff like that. We're trying to break in that way. There's a poster. I always do it the wrong way. The poster here behind me. Um, I've kind of figured out a way that I think you can make a documentary kind of on your own. So it was during the pandemic and I was, I talked to a lot of docu documentary filmmakers. You probably found this out too. It was like, whatever questions you have, if you have a podcast, you can just go ask somebody, you know, so you don't have to <laughs> beat yourself over the head. Right. So I saw two documentaries kind of in the same, in the same couple months, maybe there's a documentary about Bruce Lee and there's one about John Belushi. 
I noticed that neither one of them used like what's called like talking head. So like you see clips of us talking, that's the talking head. Um, so instead they would show, you know, and, and they had more creative reasons to do it. So like Bal Gwynn, who directed the Bruce Lee documentary is like, well, I'm talking about Bruce Lee in 1975. So if I cut to someone who was friends with Bruce Lee, but now they're 80 years old, it kind of takes you out of what's happening. So he didn't like talking heads for that reason. I immediately saw it as like more of a logistical point of view. It's like, well, if I'm not flying places and interviewing people, you go from like a $300,000 movie to like a $50,000 movie because you can do it from your computer. Like you, what you'll have to do later is like uh, work with a lawyer for copyright, uh, archival footage, stuff like that, right? So I've, I've always been obsessed with screenwriting and like stuntmen and stunt women because stunts are just ignored in films. They've been around 100 years. Like screenwriters, they're kind of the un, unseen part of a movie when you go see something, right? So I'm starting with like, we went from being a two-hour movie to like an eight-hour series. I've raised about $20,000 so far. Um, it's going to be like eight episodes. The first one's about silent films because they got started there. Buster Keaton, Harold Lloyd, Charlie Chaplin. These guys were stuntmen. It doesn't really seem that way, but they were doing pretty crazy stuff back then. And that industry has been around for 100 years. There's still not an Oscar category for best stunt. It's just overlooked. They're They're kind of ignored in the industry. And every clip you see, trailer you see, the people, the reason people go see movies, there's a lot of stunts are involved with that. So yeah, the movie's called Daredevil Society. I'm interviewing as many stunt people as I can. I'm talking to historians. So the first episode's about silent films. I talked to like Harold Lloyd's historian, Buster Keaton's historian. I'm making those now. I'm kind of obsessed with hearing these stories about how did they do this Jackie Chan fight? How did Zoe Bell do this thing on the car and all these different things? So it's it's really the the evolution, the history of Hollywood stunt performers over like a hundred years is kind of the big goal of it. And and I'm working on that now. It's called Daredevil Society is the name of it. Yeah. Oh my God. I absolutely love that. And it's giving it, you're so right. Like it's something that's like how you said, like I'm in Australia, obviously. So I'd, I'm not too sure about all the Oscar categories and things like that. I just watched the red carpet, but <laughs> like, I'm like, wow, it is something that doesn't get, um, yeah, no light. Like, and also the job and the skill that is put into something like that. I think it's giving light to something that definitely needs to. So I'm so excited that yeah. that you're going on to that. I just want to like go on a little bit of a tangent because you said something there too about how screenwriters don't get um, the same like light well, as well. There's a writer's strike right now for the that very reason that they're not really getting. And that happens. It happened like 2012, I think. So it happens every you know 10 or 20 years it's just like they're almost ignored like it's like right now they're like the studios think well ai can write screenplays and ai can't write screenplays they can i i like to tell people ai can be like a research assistant or something mm -hmm. like that but it can't really mm -hmm. get to the heart of something and then some of that too is like most movies follow a trend like that's why there's so many sequels that's why there's so many of this and that whatever it's something like really changes the like the zeitgeist of cinema it's someone's real personal like spec script screenplay that they're like obsessed with some idea and and that's what changed things for them i, I like to give this example a lot is parasite won the oscar in 2019 that director was obsessed with class warfare he made 10 movies about class systems and the problems with that before he really got noticed. And I mean, that's kind of what you're doing with the rebel girls. You know, you're kind of obsessed with an idea and you keep refining it, improving it. And eventually other people will kind of see it as well. 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. So what exactly is going on? <laughs> this is just for my personal information. I um had Gabrielle, I had Gabrielle Zevin I was speaking to recently and she gave went into a little bit of it, but what exactly is the um current strike about when it comes to writers in America? Some some of I mean, it's it's always like the underlying thing is kind of about money. There's people that could tell you more about it than I can, but it it is like fair wages and you know, okay. like there's complications with streamers, kind of like there is in the music industry. And then on top of all that, there's like the AI debate of how to use AI in a professional way, kind of moving forward. So as an example, like cause some people are fearful of AI. I'm not really fearful of it. So my writing partner and I, we talked about a movie we were gonna write or TV show. We went back and forth for like an hour. We did put a similar idea, similar questions that we went through into AI, and it came out with something kind of similar. But beyond the treatment, that's kind of all it can do. It can clarify some things for you with what's, again, like what's already there. The internet is is full and great and everything else, and it can give you the scaffolding maybe for the story. It can give you the hero's journey. It can give you things that are expected. But the things people walk away from, those moments that stand out in a movie or a book, those are unexpected, and that's what makes them so great. I think. Yeah, hundred percent. It can't. It can give you a set structure, but it can't ever. It's like a party book. Like it can't replicate your voice. It can't. Yeah. It can't put that full humanizing part into it. Yeah, and I. You're so right. I think no matter what type of writer you are, um, I heard I was listening to a podcast with a couple of actors the other day, and and they were saying, you know, our performance is literally based on the director and the writer and everything like, like I can only do what they've already created and and that's where it starts so I think that that's um that's really really important so all right now I'm going to put in the show notes everything about Ink by the Barrel and how everyone can grab it but where else can people get in contact with you hear all about everything that you've got going on and this new um documentary coming up yeah, I'm kind of just, I'm recent, I'm just now kind of getting into, you know, social media. I'm, I'm Brock Swinson on Instagram. I'm I'm getting on Twitter, but I've kind of avoided those things. I'm more concerned with an email list. So you can always go to brockswinson.com. Right now it's pushing the book. I'll update some things I'm doing there. I do want to do more challenges. Like we did this free challenge to be prolific. I want to like do some some things that are maybe that people haven't done before, like how to write a book in 30 days, how to write a movie in 21 days, give people some goals to do. Cause I'm more concerned with like, you really need to get that first draft done. Mm-hmm. I have some, I have some people I work with. I'm teaching a few people like how to make money on Upwork too. So I'm trying to do just a variety of things within writing. And then really like the underlying theme is always to be prolific though. Yeah, I absolutely love that. So if any of those challenges are coming up, people need to make sure that they sign up to your email list so they can hear all about it. And I will make sure that all of that is in the show notes. So thank you so much for joining us today, Brock. And thank you for everything you've shared. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you.